You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So let's learn a little bit of, uh, start a little bit of Hilchus Hanukkah with a question from Rav Zilberstein. There was a certain man, we'll call him Ruvain Cohen. Ruvain Cohen was staying in a hotel on Hanukkah. And he saw that the owner of the hotel took out a fancy old menorah. And he's looking at this menorah, he's looking at this Hanukkah. And of course, this probably happened about 25, 30 years ago. And Ruvain sees that it looks very familiar to him. It was the menorah of his house that the Nazis had broken in. Maybe it was during one of the raids beforehand. And they had, they had, they had just taken all the, uh, the, the, the fancy items. And he went to look at this Hanukkah and he saw that it was inscribed in the, in the Hanukkah, the letters of his family. So he goes over to the owner of the hotel and he says to him, you wouldn't believe it. This was our family's menorah. This was my menorah, my Hanukkah. The owner of the hotel is as shocked as he is, but he says, I have to tell you, I I, I was able to purchase it from some guy uh, who we were able to find it. La halacha can... Should should he give it back to Ruvain? So, think about it. This menorah, this Hanukkah, belongs to the owner of the hotel. Because clearly, when it was ripped away from Ruvain and his family, they never thought they were going to see it again. It's like a lion. It's like a, a, a rushing river that comes and takes your stuff. Even if the owner says, give it to me, I want it. So, the guy who got it from the Nazis uh, owns it. When he sold it to the owner of the hotel, it's his. Now, if you look in the Ramah in Shulchan Aruch, Simon Reishon and Tess, however, Rav Silberstein points out, it says, Im gozar hamelech o bezdin, chayev lahachzir, Let's say, you own it. But if the king gives a decree that all items should be given back to their original owners, even though according to Shulchan Aruch and the Gemara, it should belong to you, but if a certain law is put into effect by the king of that country, so even though you own this item, the law of the country could force you to give it back. What was one of the, uh, uh, it was written by the Mordechai, uh, the student of the Marami Rutenberg, that in Germany, they gave out a psak that if a boat had sunk, and you could, and the person who was the original owner can prove that it was his, 
you need to return it back to him. So Lachora, we know, Rav Zilberstein said, that the UN and all the forces declared after World War II that what the Nazis ripped away from the Jews doesn't belong to them. And they said that every, that they, they, they issued various decrees in various countries that there needs to be an effort to return everything back to the original owner. Now, since that law was in the books, even though it was the, the guy who bought it from the Nazis has a din of Aganov because he went against what it said in the international, at the Hague, wherever they declared it, the world court, that all these uh, stolen things need to be returned. And you know, this is really behind the the stolen paintings and the artwork. Robert Kivilevich? Yes. If I may, I think there's a little bit of a complication because you probably know it, that the German law is notoriously tricky, modern German law all these restitutions. But I'm not sure if there were signers to the original UN. Remember, they were the defeated party when the UN was formed, so I'm not sure. But it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if it qualifies or not. Depends where it happened or when. I don't know. I'm just bringing up a uh, complication. In other words, you're saying it could be that the Germans never agreed, but the Germans really didn't have much of a, a say. They were the vanquished party. And that, yeah. When UN was being formed, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Depends on when. Yeah, the Germans were vanquished, and therefore, whatever the rules that the victor put on them, now I know would, would apply. So therefore, whatever this Nazi guy who sold it to this other person, that was an illegal sale. And therefore, the 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 Ghanif, the, the 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 purchaser never really owned it, and 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 therefore, when he sold it to the Jew who made it to Israel, it was never his. That was what the argument went, and because of that, based on that law that was put into effect, it needs to go back to the original victim. Um, now. I know that the question, I don't know, maybe you can say it better than me in terms of the artwork and other things like that. I think, isn't, isn't it clear that if the artwork can be shown to be connected to the, to the Jewish I, families? I, that- I mean, uh, it dep- really, it depends from country to country. But until today, Germany, Bedavka, is, is complicated to deal with. Even Switzerland, you know, they announced recently, and they were very hard uh, for years, that certain things that could be returned to the owners, or wow. they gotten more flexible. But Germans are still, from what I know, Still, you have to really prove the case, and there are all kinds of things. I know it's that there's. I know there's a lot of cases against museums mm. where these items, yeah. have, where these items have ended up. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, there is a, uh, a, a, a the post can do speak about this though. It isn't something that is brand new. Even before World War II, in the Chuvas Imre it talked about. Um, uh, I guess this was after World War One that there were Sfarim that uh, soldiers had, you know, as they were attacking and pushing through various homes and places, um, had ripped them out of the house 
and these books were sitting there outside of various synagogues and outside of people's homes, and they're sitting there hefker. Um, so he writes there that, yes, you could say if you happen to have gone to that place and you see where this where these people have run away and there's all these farm there, that you could take them, but Mitzara Yoshavatayv should definitely return them. Um, the Semach Duran spoke in a case where uh, and he had uh, escaped Spain and gone to um, to North Africa, said that in places where the, the Christians had captured the city, um, and what happened? Uh, they started burning the 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 homes down, and even, and of course, burning the books down that the Jews had. Um, there actually were Jews who bought some of those books, Jews from North Africa and other places, that bought some of those Sfarim. And the owners found out about it. They said, you should give it back. So, the Tashbeitz wrote, or Tzemach Duran says, that even though when it comes to other items, Sfarim people, especially in those days, before the printing press, the amount of effort it came to have a book written specially for you, the owner has a super connection to it. Even greater this is a Chiddush that he says, an even greater connection than, than you would ever expect. So even though you'd say this is like uh, the terrorist came, the hurricane came. Svarim, he says, you should return. However, he mentions that the person who bought the Svarim could demand from the owner the expenses that he took in order to buy the safer. In other words, if he had to buy them or he had to travel somewhere, he could say, look, I'll give you back the safer, but you should pay me for what it costs me to get it from this person. And therefore, um, if that's true, in the case of the Hanukkiah, um, the, it would seem that the owner of the hotel could ask Ruvain to reimburse him for the money it cost him. And that that, that would seem to be uh, halakhically the right thing. One more Hanukkah question, or menorah question, or Hanukkiah question. We know that you're supposed to have a ner yofa. And we've learned in, 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 in the Gemara and Shabbos, it says that Harogel Bener, you'll get children that are Talmida Chachamim. The Rishonim say that means Hanukkah lights as well. And what does it mean, Rogel? It means you should have a beautiful menorah. Now, every mitzvah you're supposed to do beautifully, but the special Segul of Hanukkah is that uh, the, 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 the light of Hanukkah for it to affect you should be a beautiful menorah. So let's say a person wants, he has the money, he wants to buy a very nice Hanukkiah. So what does he have? 
He has one, Rav Zilberstein said, that it's beautiful. It's from silver. But he could also, he found out on eBay or from some other place that there's somebody selling an ancient menorah, an antique menorah that many generations have used. It doesn't look as shiny, but it has such a great history to it. Which one is better? Which is considered the better menorah to buy? So we said it really depends. Obviously, aesthetics is dependent on the person. For some people, antiques are the best. They would pay anything. I have good friends that have the first edition he showed me at his house, took me to his quiet room, and he showed me the first edition of the Bet Yosef. He had the Bet Yosef, the first edition. He showed me, a, a, also, he had a first edition of the Shulchan Aruch, without the Ramah, just the Shulchan Aruch, no commentary. The same thing the Shulchan Aruch says, Rabbi Yosef Kaira writes, you could read this book in a, you could read this book over a month and be finished. That's all it should be. Every month you should read the whole Shulchan Aruch. Not just Arachayim. Arachayim, Choshen Mishpat, Yeridei, Revan Eser. You should read the one book in a month. That's what he expected. And he showed me this book. Incredible. Now, I would never have paid what this person paid. But this guy was into antiques. It meant a lot to him to have something that has that provenance that goes back. So, if that's what generates with that person, Rav Zilberstein says, a great sense of love, so that's the mitzvah. There's other people, though, they don't think about that. Robert Kivalevich? Yes. If I may, I think what determines, we have in the, in the Talmud, the deter, how we determine uh, beauty. And the, it's the 15th of all, right? The three types of women. Yes. Go ahead. Men. You're with me, right? Yes. It could be from the family, right? Because it has so much value, right? As we mentioned, it could be because she is pretty, or it could be because it's l'shem mitzvah. That's three definitions. Judaism, three definitions of, of beauty. So I think this applies to this as well. Okay. In other words, it depends what you, what beauty is sort of in the eye of the beholder, so to speak, of the, of, of the way a person looks at things. Um, all I can say is that Rav, Rav Zilberstein is correct. There are certain people, even though they know it's valuable, it doesn't really stir them that they have an antique. So if, if it doesn't stir you to have an antique, the whole point is you feel great. You feel you've, 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 you've done something beautiful. You feel excited about it. Well, if you don't feel excited about an antique, even though you know your friend does, then you don't have to spend the money even though on this antique uh, Hanukkah. Um, so, Rebel Yashiv, though, uh, said, it proves from a Gemara in Gitin that you even see there that an old Chayfetz has Chashivas, if people, if it's still around. Um, and therefore, if a person is a, uh, uh, a collector, and someone like that, that's the person should, that's the type of Hanukkah you should get. 
Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 